So um, when uh, Joe asked me to come and, and share, um, he suggested intimacy because of a, a conversation that we'd had. And uh, um, one of my primary callings is, is, is to preach. And God says, don't preach. And I said, Lord, why not? And he says, because it needs to be an interactive discussion. Uh, so what we're aiming at tonight is for participation and involvement of yourselves, okay? And if this doesn't work, then great, because I'll preach. And I'm okay with that, uh, but you might get bored. Um, Father, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for the way that you demonstrate your love in so many amazing and abundant ways. And Lord Jesus, we thank you because, Lord, even though you've done so much for us, yet right now you are interceding at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you presence yourself here. And Lord God, we are here because we mean business with you. We're serious about our walk and about our relationship with you. And therefore, Father God, right now, I pray you'd lead us, you'd just speak to us, you'd encourage us, you'd challenge us. Lord, you'd lead us to a greater place of intimacy with you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Now, I believe that we are built and created for relationship. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that we're made in the image of God. Now, we're made in the image in the sense that we have a spirit, that we're able to create other spirits. That's how God has made us. And yet, I believe that part of, of the, the way that we're made in his image is that we are made to be in close, intimate relationship with him. And we see this demonstrated in the Garden of Eden because there God had prepared a specific place, yet he'd also prepared purpose for his people. Think about it. What was Adam and Eve commanded to do? Sorry? Yeah, but the positive thing, not eat from that tree, but what else were they commanded to do? Multiply. Go out, subdue the earth. So even though they had paradise... There was purpose for them to get out of the garden and do so much more. You know, there was the Euphrates, uh, not the Euphrates, the, the, the great rivers to cross and, and magical things to do. There was, you know, they were farmers, not just gardeners. Just thought I'd get that in there. And um, so they had purpose. And yet, when they did eat from the tree that they shouldn't have done, God violated his own principle to maintain intimacy of relationship with them. And he came down in the cool of the day knowing that they'd hidden themselves because they had broken the commandment, they'd broken the fellowship, they'd broken the connection. And yet God demonstrated from that point on that he was willing to pursue relationship with his people. And it, it boggles my mind when you think about it that Jesus killed an animal to clothe the disobedient Adam and Eve. Think about it. It's, 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 it's a demonstration of his love for you and for me. Now let's think about it for a moment. There are different forms and levels of connection that we can have with God. Let's accept that. We're going to get into Scripture in a minute, but think about this. One of my heroes, Elijah. Elijah, a great man of God. One of the great things about Elijah was he liked plowmen. I'll just throw that other farming reference in there. We'll move on. But Elijah, after demonstrating 
amazing power, amazing victory in all that he did on Mount Carmel, in God destroying all those prophets of Baal, yet even in victory, what did Elijah do? He ran, he fled, but was sustained by God in a desert, was provided by God in an amazing way. But when you take the story farther on, he said, God, show me something of yourself. God says, yeah, okay, I'll, you know, I'll show myself to you. Now, was God in the wind? Was God in the fire? Was God in the earthquake? Let me ask you a question. Who made the wind go there? Who, put, who made that wind go there? God did. Who caused the earthquake to happen? And, and who caused the fire? God. And yet the scripture says God wasn't in that, in the sense that there was a sense of his presence that he wanted to show himself that was different to those incre incredible, amazing, and miraculous experiences. Now, can we think of a New Testament examples, before we read some scripture, of different ways that God showed his presence to his people? Can you think of different examples in the New Testament? Yes, sent his son as a baby. Incredible when you think about it. Somebody else said something? Yes, he poured out his Holy Spirit. Now, okay, is God everywhere? Yeah? He's everywhere all the time, isn't he? But take yourself to the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, was God there? Yes. And yet God was there in somewhat of a different way to the, he's the fact that he's there. So he manifests his presence in different ways and at different times. Hold on to that thought and turn with your Bibles or apps to Psalm 65. Um, if you want to really study some things, study the opposites that you see in the Bible. Because if you ever find an opposite, then there's a great truth and there's a great uh, secret to be dug out there. Here's one of them. There will be silence before you and praise in Zion, O God. Okay, there's an opposite. Silence before you and praise in Zion, O God. And to you, the vow will be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all men come. Iniquities prevail against me, and as for our transgressions, you forgive them. How blessed is the one whom you choose to bring near to you, to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation, who are the trust to all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and, and the tumult of the peoples. They who dwell in the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs, 
and you make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. We could go on. Go back to verse 4. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Now, there are three places mentioned there. What are they? Courts and house and temple. Go back to the temple of the Old Testament. You've got different examples of temples there. Solomon's Moses, uh, David's and, and Moses. And you've even got different ones of them. Now, you've got different areas of the temple. What were the different areas? Briefly, easily. Outer court, inner court, and holy of holies. Who could go into the holy of holies? High priest. How did he go into the holy of holies? Very carefully. What did he have round his apron, round his, round his gown? Pomegranates. What did he have round his ankle? A rope. Why did he have a rope around his ankle? So the other guys could haul him out if he snuffed it. Because <laughs> you don't want to leave him in there for a year, and, and then the next guy go in, they've got to fish him out. You know, let's, let's not go down that road. So we have three different proximities. Out of court, anybody can go there anytime. Uh, you can go there, that's, that, that, that's fine. You know, we, we read there in the psalm, how blessed are the ones who you choose to bring near you to dwell in your courts. And then we go to the next place, uh, the outer court, the inner court. Not so many people could get there. And the conditions for getting there, there's a study in its own right there, not so easy. And then the final one, your holy temple. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Can I suggest to you that God wants us to develop our intimacy with him and that as we walk that journey, we will experience different aspects of his closeness. Okay? Are you with me? Anyone to comment on that? Agree? Disagree? With me so far? That's good. Nobody's throwing things. I always think that's a positive. <coughs> and yet it says there, how blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you. Who gets chosen by God? Who gets chosen? My own experience, I've been a Christian for 38 years this year. Uh, and the more astute of you will observe that I was actually converted 20 years before I was born. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and I've known some good times, and I've known some not quite such good times. And uh, I've loved God, 
but I've got to know him more and more and more. And I have to say that my experience of God is like an exponential curve. And that the more I know him, the, the, the greater I know him. And the more I know him, the more I realize I don't know him, but the more I'm knowing him. Y you will know what I mean, but it doesn't make any sense, does it? Because God is a God of opposites. So often he's a God of opposites. For example, you'll say, hey, Brian, that's your destiny. That's what's going to happen to you. But I'm going to send you over there. And I'm like, no, God, that's where I want to go. And God says, yeah, I know. Look, you see that creek? There you go. Oh, give me the paddle. <laughs> and I'm saying, God, I want the paddle. And God says, you want to paddle? I'll make you paddle. And he tips the boat up. And there I'm paddling in the creek out of the boat. My experience is that the more I want to know God, the greater the challenges, and sometimes the greater the hardship. And for a couple of years, I have felt like donkey in Shrek. <laughs> Seriously, I've had a couple of experiences where I've been in meetings, and I'm looking around the room, and everybody's got their role, and everybody's got their function, and I'm saying, God, I'm hearing what you're saying, and Lord, uh, the destiny, it's there, it's great. And, and, and God's saying, and, and, and I need people to go and do that thing. Who will go and do that thing? And I'm there saying, God, God, pick me like donkey. Pick me, pick me. And God's saying, is there anybody else? <laughs> so he says to Joseph, Joseph, you're the man to lead this people through all these years of famine. And Joseph's great. I'm on the way. I'm going to be a great politician. I'm going to be an amazing prime minister. And God says, that's right. The first thing you need is a hole, <laughs> is a pit. No, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm going to parliament. I'm not a pit. And God says, no, you're going to the pit. But, but, but why do I need to be in a pit? Because the pit can prepare you for the prison. But why do we need the prison? Because the prison is what will take you. Because if you don't get in the pit, and you don't go through the prison, when you end up in Parliament, you'll be just the same as Pharaoh. Now, if you really mean business with God, you're going to have to realize that there are opposites, and there is opposition that we have to work through to get there. Let's go back to that verse again. I'm preaching, sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm really enjoying it. But it says, how blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you. What will get God's attention for him, <coughs> excuse me, to choose us? What will get God's attention so that he will choose us? Obedience. Prayer. prayer, yes. And prayer being a dialogue. I think that one thing I am learning is that we can come to God with an agenda. Even if the agenda is God's agenda. Like God, you're saying destiny is this for the church, for the town, for me, for the family. The destiny is this. God, you've prophesied it. You've promised it. And God says, yeah, but that's an agenda. I need you to come to me for no other reason 
than me. And that takes some working at, I can assure you. And I haven't mastered that yet. I have good days, and then I forget. Prayer being, you know, Joy brought a word at the end of last year that had a profound impact on me. And she shared that there was a massive oak tree that was cut down and a stump was left. And the stump was ugly and it was just like there and it was in the way and tripping people up and it was just, you know, not very nice. And, and as she looked, she saw four trees growing out of the roots of that stump, basically. Not, not in that place, but in an in, in area. And, and, and God speaks to me a lot on the milking parlor, which really annoys me because I'd rather him speak to me when I'm on a sun-kissed beach. But he chooses the milking parlor very, very often. And... Uh, and I said, Lord, I said, I know that word is for other people and it's for the church, but I know it's for me. But, but what are the four trees? And I thought, God, say to me, what do you want the four trees to be? I, I, I can't tell you how blessed I felt that God was actually interacting with me enough to offer me that question, to offer me the choice. <coughs> and so I said, intimacy with him, a release of the miraculous, a growth in my leadership gifting, and a growth in my communication gifting. And when we were in here two, three weeks ago, when Rachel led one of the prayer nights in, uh, out there, and, uh, uh, and basically Rachel brought this prophetic word, and I felt God was asking me the same question. And I came up with the same answer. Um, why do I say that? Because we have to let go of the agenda. And if I'm in intimacy with him, I've asked him for a praise and language for a worship language, so that when I come to him, it's, it's not about me, it's about him. Mm. Let me ask you a question. Does your praise change God? Mm. I've heard two answers there. <laughs> does your praise, no, it doesn't, does it? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does he want us to praise him? Why? Why? To show our loyalty, yeah. The, the, the amazing thing about God is that everything he asks us to do, even when we're up the creek without the paddle, he does for our sake and our benefit. Even praise is not just for his sake and benefit, it's actually for ours. Now, how do we benefit when we praise God? If praise doesn't change God, what does praise achieve? And praise and worship. And there's a difference. What does it achieve? It takes the focus off ourselves. What we worship, we become like. End of story. Car, sport, football, tractors, cows. Yes, people worship those. Guilty. Sorry? Yes, ourselves. Absolutely. What we worship, we become like. And when we focus on him, praise is the fruit of our lips, giving glory to his name. Worship is a connection of, of mind, of heart, of spirit, our whole soul connecting with him, sometimes bypassing the mind. Somehow, God is magnified in us. He doesn't change. But our experience of him does. So even praise and worship is for our sake and our benefit. And when we worship him, 
It's just awesome. So what was the question? The question was, how are we going to get him to pick us? Obedience. Somebody look up Psalm 25, verse 14. It might be 27, I can't remember. It's a key verse. So key, I've forgotten if it's Psalm 25 or 27. Andre, you got it? <laughs> 25, I think it is. Yeah. That's the one. The Lord confides in those who fear him. What's he do then? He confides in them. Now, you think of the New Testament. You think of uh, John 15. When Jesus talks about, you know, a slave doesn't know what his master's doing. Uh, so at the farm today, uh, which was a bit of a nightmare. We're, we're putting too many cows through a milking parlour, not designed for it. It's gone up past 10 before I left the farm this morning, which is why I'm saying sorry for being late this morning. And uh, I was ju just chatting with a the guy there, not, not long, because I didn't want to be late for church, obviously. And he said, uh, God, we, we, we got a new fertiliser spreader, state-of-the-art. You know, GPS systems and ground wheel. Oh, you know, don't start me talking about fertilizer spinners because I could, <laughs> seriously. And um, why am I talking about this? We don't know what the boss is going to turn up with next. So last year he bought a new Land Rover Defender. And then <laughs> I went to a government cars about a month ago and there's another one there, brand new, because they stopped making them. And he, he's bought this brand new Land Rover Defender, he's bought a container. He's put the Land Rover in the container, shut it all up, and then in a year, he's got, it's a special deal. He's not allowed to sell it for a year. 12 months' time, he's got the container, take the Land Rover out and sell it. And you reckon he'll already made 10 grand on it already. And uh, we don't know, the reason I say this is, we don't know what the boss is going to do next. She's kind of interesting in some ways. But when we get into that realm of intimacy with him, he starts to share things. He starts to open up his heart to the capacity that we can take and in the language that we can understand. But Neil, you said we must be obedient. Can I suggest what Andre read there, that the fear of the Lord is crucial to a walk of intimacy with him. And by fear, I don't mean I respect you, God. Hey, respect. No. Now, think about John for a moment. Was John close with Jesus? Yeah. How do we know that? I know it's in the Bible, but what's it say about him in the Bible? <laughs> uh, there's always one. You know, when... When the Lord says that I'm going to be leading a church again, I'm going to put a really big baptistry underneath the whole floor. And I'm going to have a little remote control on the lectern. And at certain points, certain people are going to find themselves suddenly immersed. <laughs> no, but seriously, how do we know that John was loved by Jesus? He would rest on Jesus' bosom. That's not British, I know, but it's in the Bible, so we have to accept it. 
How else do we know that Jesus valued John enough to trust him? Think of the cross. His mother. Birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And towards the end of Jesus' ministry, anybody that followed Jesus was ostracized from the temple. They weren't allowed back in. Can I suggest to you that that happened to Mary? And that Jesus' half-brother James, who eventually went on to lead the church, was probably a key figure. We don't know what happened to Joseph. Possibly he was dead by this time. But can I suggest that Mary had nowhere to live? And when Jesus was on the cross, he turned to John, John, the only disciple that followed Jesus, that didn't deny him, that didn't run away, that didn't swear about him. And he said, woman, well, what, what, I forget the wording, but John had to take Mary into his home from that day forwards. Now, why was John banished on an island of Patmos? Do we know why? Do we know why? Well, legend says that they tried to kill him. They immersed him in something that was so hot that should have killed him, but wasn't quite hot enough, and it just scalded him really badly. And they thought that, uh, it's not in Scripture, this is legend, but they thought he'd suffered enough by then, that therefore they would just banish him on an island called Patmos. So this John wrote a gospel. He wrote three epistles. He'd looked after Mary. He'd stuck with Jesus. But when John saw a resurrected form of Jesus, what did he do? He fell down as a dead man. Because he had a real experience of the fear of God. Now, I know that God is loving and he wants us to be close and he wants us to be truly intimate with him. But can I suggest that he is still God? And we aren't. I love my dogs too much. And uh, when I take them for walks, we take them off lead. So they can roam around, they can go where they want. But they choose to come back. Occasionally, one will run away. We have one, we have an Asbo dog. He's got an... He's got a tag, a collar, that, that links to our phone. Uh, and when he wanders and he forgets where he should be, uh, we can find him, usually. Works quite well. And yet, one of my favorite things to do when we get home, I'm going to have a bowl of Rice Krispies and some toast, because I like to live dangerously. And then we're probably going to sit down and watch one of these hour-long crime things. And my... I will sit on the sofa and I'll have one dog on the puffet and on me, one dog on this side, one dog on that side, quite possibly another one on the top. I love being close to my dogs because I'm a bit, you know. And yet, when they've been rolling in fox poo, I'm not quite so keen on the intimacy there. <laughs> and what's the best thing to clean dogs for rolling in fox poo? Would you like to tell them, Ryan? Tomato ketchup. <laughs> Tomato ketchup, it's brilliant for cleaning fox poo tainted dogs. But we are so much like that, that if in our disobedience we wander away from him, 
and we contaminate ourselves so that we stink. God's like, I love you. I want to be close to you, but there's no way I can allow myself to become contaminated by that. I have something I can cleanse you with. But when we walk in obedience, that relationship gets built on and added to. We're not going, we don't keep on going backwards. You know, we, we say, yeah, I, I can sin and God will forgive me. Yeah, okay, you get, you get back there. But if I don't sin, I'm here. And then if I don't sin, I'm there. And, th- and then if I don't sin, I'm there. And then, oh, I did, I tripped up then. But, but you get what I mean? We're progressively moving forwards. We're making progress. We're advancing in him because the friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. With them, he makes his covenant known. He reveals dark, deep, intimate secrets. He shows what's on his heart. He reveals what's on his mind. Which is a real step of intimacy with him. How do we get chosen by God? We read in uh, Matthew 14, many are called, but few are chosen. Explain that one. Is God calling us all to fellowship and intimacy with him? Yes, but not everybody gets chosen. But I want to make sure I'm one of the ones that is which means that I am going to fear God because he is God and he could strike me down dead in an instant if he wanted to. If you don't work, you don't eat. Old Testament or New Testament principle? New, sorry. Ananias and Sapphira. Whoa. Now, if that's who God is, I don't want to upset him. Um, And... and, uh, This is how it works. There's two sides to the coin. But when I fear God, that side of the fear of God doesn't really factor in my relationship because I'm so focused on the friendship that the fear is kind of done away with unless I get tempted, in which case, oh, hang on. Yeah, I I could commit that sin. I could not do this or I could go and do that. Oh, hang on. God rebukes those that he loves. And when I've tasted his rebuke in the past, I said things like, ouch, and that hurt. And God, I don't want to upset you. And it's an amazing place to get to a point where we think that, Lord, if I do that, I know it'll have an impact on my family and my friends and my church and everybody around me, but Lord, it will upset you. So friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. Many are called, few are chosen. The context of that is of the wedding feast when the master had set out this feast and invited everybody to come and to attend because they were were invited, but but nobody came until in the end he he compelled some of the, you know, some of the ones that were available. and, and, And then when the master of the feast came in, he saw one that wasn't dressed for it. So he couldn't get anybody to come in. Eventually he got some, and then he finds one that's not dressed for it. What does he do to that one? He kicks him out. Think of the parable of the talents. 
Hey, God, I know you're a hard taskmaster. I didn't want to offend you, so I buried the talent. Not good. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. He is an awesome God. Time is drawing to a close, so uh, we're going to move into stuff next week. But let me leave you with some of these thoughts. Your understanding of God has to change if you want a greater experience of intimacy with him. It has to. I had to learn that not everything that I believe right now is true. I I had to come to accept that. I don't know what isn't true. I'm not going to worry about that. God will show me as and when I need to know. But I have come to accept the fact that not everything I believe about me, you, the church, whatever, is true. I'm open for God to change some of these things. And if we really mean business with God, he's going to put some barriers and some obstacles because if you're going to get to be a ruler in parliament, you've got to get out of the pit, into the prison, before you can get to the prime minister's palace. It's just how it is. For me, these, this last 12 months has probably been the hardest of my life, if I'm honest with you. I knew that I was pastoring a church for six years. I've been in Christian leadership for 30 years. I was president of the, of the CU uh, when I was 18, you know. So, I, and, and when I was pastoring the church, there were some things that needed to be ish- sorted. A- and I knew it wasn't going to be easy. And I prayed it through. I talked it through. I took advice. I walked that journey. I, tran- I tried to circumvent some of the challenges and difficulties that I knew would arise years in advance before they happened. And yes, it was a tough and a difficult journey. But I knew I was doing what was right, if that makes sense. But this last 12 months, the journey that I've experienced has been being rejected by God. Now, is that scriptural? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I know that. But this is my testimony, my experience, that God has walked with me more closely than I've ever experienced him so that I could live with and come to terms with his rejection. Yeah? (laughs) There's an opposite there, isn't there? Yeah? But that's my experience. Why? Because I met with uh, uh, Phil Pye on Friday, the regional, one of the regional AOG guys. He looked at me and he says, Brian, he says, your best years of ministry are still in front of you. Which confirms the prophetic word that I know God has spoken. But I need to get out of the pit, work through the prison to get to the palace. Which means that my connection with God has to push through these trials, these hardships, and these difficulties to prove him. Yes. All these things may go wrong. It may seem as though everything has has, has gone wrong in my life, yet I will cling hold to you, and I will not let you go unless you bless me. Yeah? 
So we're going to watch the second clip in a minute as we close and just think on some of these things. Would it be right if we don't sing a song at the end? If we just... So Father, we thank you that you are an awesome and an amazing God. I thank you that you invite us to a greater place of intimacy with you. And Lord, we know it's not always easy. We know that it's challenging and heartbreaking at times. But Lord, we also recognize that we need to be broken so you can put us back together in the way that we need to be fixed. So Lord, I thank you that there isn't a person sitting in this room that doesn't have destiny, that doesn't have fruitfulness, that doesn't have ministry, that doesn't have things that, that you are calling us to do. But I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will be multiplied in who we are and in what we are. Lord, that the abundance of heaven would flow through us as we connect with you in a much closer and more intimate way. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us on this journey. In your precious name, amen.